Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Your goodness in this place. And we give you thanks, Lord, that you continue to reveal your purposes, O Lord. And even in the last days, when there is much adversity and conflict upon the earth, Lord, you have already written out the manuscript, the transcript of our purpose upon the earth. We are your people. We are the church of the living God. We are members of the body of Christ. We have received your grace and received your call and know that we are chosen for such a time as this. And we know, God, that you will perfect us. You will bring us to maturity. You will reign us with the garments of glory as per your word. And while the nations rage and the unbelievers continue to curse God and curse their life, we will praise you to the day of your coming. We will praise you and rejoice in the courts of our God. We will joyfully serve you and sing a new song. We pray, Father God, that your glory might be manifest in our life. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We are called to be agents of radical revolution here upon the planet. And we pray that we not miss one second of what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to hear and what we're supposed to say. Father, we pray that your word would open our hearts tonight, O oh God, that we might walk in your purposes and that you, we might see your glory and that our children after us might serve as mighty upon the land. Children having a glorious inheritance of righteousness, peace, and joy, walking in the will of God, rooted and grounded in the church and in your love. We pray that you give us a servant's heart and perfect obedience in our lives and allow our words to be few. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, there's no doubt that after 12 days of ministry and uh, you're, you're pretty much thrown in the deep end of serving, um, Part of the component of serving on this particular trip was not only preaching, because I would have to, like, um, say, like, on a Sunday morning, I would have to preach at 10, and then I would have to translate for Jack Keene or Robert Crosby at 12, only to preach again at 3 o'clock, only to translate again at 5 o'clock. So it's not only that we go there and we're saying, okay, there were 12 days, you know, just hanging out. It's arduous service. And one of the things that, that the other people that were there, you, you could imagine, it was the people that were watching us, but it was also the people we were translating for. It was also the people that were hearing us minister, and they said, thank you. Thank you that you did not translate lazily. Thank you that you didn't translate indifferently, that you were just as passionate in your message as you were in ours when you were translating. And so, again, that's the heart of a servant that God is looking for. Not only that we're being served, um, we're serving our children, but also that we're, we're allowing them to see us serve them. Our children are, are being obedient and they're walking, but they're also seeing us work with them and helping them get to where God is calling them to. So I get back to the States, and, and like I said, it was at the deep end of the pool. Every conversation after the sessions were, were just as intense 
and I, uh, we weren't watching most of the news, but we get back and, and I continue to confirm what's taking place in our times is that everything is unsettled and twisted. In other words, everything is out of place. And that's not a good place for us to be as a people. Now, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about society. I'm talking about politicians. How in a Christian nation there's a Mormon running for president. And then a non-believer or an everything believer or an anything believer. And so um, how is it that we're able to live in our generation and not be enjoying the order of God. It's like being in a family where even though we're Christians, the mom is not listening to dad and the children. Uh, everybody's listening to the children and everything is warped. And that's not glorious in front of the eyes of God. Things must not be perverted. They must be established. They must be settled. They must be approved. They must be confirmed. In other words, where am I? Where am I supposed to be? And let me do that. Who's supposed to be um, in, in, in their calling and in their role. And each one of us, each one of us should be in our calling, in our role in the body of Christ. And so instead of being there, um, you know that the Old Testament are the shadows and the types of the confirmed truth of God in the New Testament. So what I see coming back is that I see a lot of shadows and types of darkness in our lives. And if we're out of order in symbolic truth, what's coming down the road? The reality of our out-of-orderedness. If we're not lining up in those glimpses of the shadows, we're not in the real realm of where God is calling us, but we're out of place. So I'm saying, what does 15 years down the road look like when we're out of place? And, and should we play around with the shadow and the types? In other words, if God is calling you to be a servant to change the world, shouldn't you already be serving and doing great things in submission, authority, obedience, uh, glimpses of what's going to come down the road 10, 15 years ago? But if that stuff is out of order up front, what hope is there of the fulfillment? The only thing, of the, the shadow will bring forth the truth of disorder and of things being out of place if we're seeing shadows of ungodliness and I ask you to 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 allow yourself to be examined today because I really believe that God is projecting us to change the world and so we need to see the little things not the great big things that aren't yet but those little things that are the basic shadows of ungodliness unrighteousness those things that fail to reflect the glory and the nature of God Because things grow up. Things, little things grow up. Little things grow up and they become devastating realities of our out-of-orderedness. It's there in James, that uh, the book of James, where he says that all these little things that begin as insignificant reflections of temptation... They're the, the very little things that don't seem to be big. They don't seem to be uh, very problematic. In James chapter 1 and verse 14, as the, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You know that, that there's little tugs. 
You know that there's little compromise. You know that there's little negotiations. You know that there's little doors we leave open. And he says when these little things uh, come into our life as we're drawn away by our desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And that is why I know it necessary to be radical. Don't, don't let just a little bit of, I'm, I'm not going to take this serious. I'm not going to speak it serious. I'm not going to think it serious. I'm not going to fulfill it serious. Because when that grows up, nobody takes you serious. And you're wondering why. And so close the gap uh, Make the shadows speak of the righteousness of God. Let the little glimpses of the words you speak reveal the heart of righteousness, the thoughts of righteousness. So 15 years down the road, the revelation and expression of the fullness of God's glory. And that's what has happened as last year we were invited to Argentina for the first time. I don't know an Argentinian. But he had been watching through the Internet for five years Watching Salvemos a la Familia Peru and seeing a man named Joaquin come and share and seeing him come and share and seeing him five years. And then he says, we want you to come. I didn't know he was watching. I didn't know that he was he was being able to see the shadows and the types of righteousness. Of truth, of zeal. But these are the things that we must walk in. So that we might be the full expression of that which is a shadow and a type. The fulfillment of God's calling on our life has to begin when we take those little things that are wrong and say, get out of my life. I don't want this to be an expression of what my life is going to become five, ten years from now. The little things in your children's life, in your son's life, in your daughter's life. That you say, oh, it's no problem because it's small. They're just over there just hanging out. There is a problem because that's going to grow up. And that's going to be the reputation. And that's going to be the testimony. And that shadow becomes the reality of unrighteousness and ungodliness and dishonor. And so we must care about that. And that's why a lot of people have issues when they come and they deal at these regards. Um, When temptation, when that desire that draws you away to the direction you're not supposed to be at. If you don't have the ability to say no now, you're not going to be able to say no later. You're not going to be able to stand up against a full-grown monster when you have not been able to stand up against a shadow of something that was just a glimmer of thought. It might just be a thought in your mind directed towards your husband that's out of order. If it grows up and fulfills itself and grows up to be a gorilla, that, that thing is going to influence you. So these shadows of things to come. And God is concerned about us, his people, um, of having a vision of what's coming down the road. You can't have a vision unless you have your eyes wide open and you're looking at what you need to be looking at. And this is reality with regards to everyone that does anything. I'm reminded at Little League when the little boy is out there and he's, he's picking at the grass and the flowers. He grows up. He doesn't even know who's on first base, where he's supposed to throw the ball. He doesn't even like baseball. He grows up not to like baseball. He's like, why is this on my hand? And he throws the glove away because now he could get more distracted. 
And so us Christians need to really be on the ball. We need to really be with our eyes open. We need to watch these things. We need to trace the footprints of what we will grow up to be. And so here in, in Psalm 82, we had talked about this some years ago when the Lord told us that he stands in front of his children and he says, what is going on? Why is it that there is so much compromise in the life of my children? God stands in the congregation of the mighty. You guys don't understand. How many thought Bernadette Todd was mighty? I felt, I felt like reproducing that CD and showing onslaught multitudes of the glorious grace and faithfulness of our God. So I see her as a mighty influence in the kingdom of God. As she's able to sit on your wheelchair and, 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 and say, our God is faithful. And don't you think for a second that he does not make everything beautiful in his time. So God also stands here tonight with those of us that can move more than our head, more than our fingers, more than, than, than the aspirations of God's glorious. And he sits there in front of this congregation and he who is measuring, who's drawing lines, who's setting things in order, how long will you continue to be out of order? How long will you show partiality to the wicked? And we are all quick to think, who is wicked in your life? When, when he says, why are you showing favoritism to the wicked, to those people that are bad? Who's the baddest of the bad in your life? You. Why are you showing partiality to the fallen nature? Somebody was talking today and saying something to the degree of when we worry, it was Kenny in his message on Sunday. He says, when we worry, it's part of our nature. No, it's not. We have a new nature. It was part of our fallen nature. And if you're still walking, he says you're an atheist. You're an unbeliever. But you've become a believer and your nature now is not to worry. Why? Because you have a new nature in Christ. And Christ never worried. So walk in the nature of a new creation in God. And God is saying, how long will you show partiality to the wicked? Who? To that part of you that's out of order. That, that part of you that renders uh, you unhusbanded if you're a wife. You don't want to be a wife. And a wife is one that can be husbanded. We've never defined it like that. But the word Jezebel means Unable to be husbanded. She can't have a husband around. So she makes herself a widow and she makes her children orphans. How long will you show leniency on the wicked? Verse 3. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the needy and the afflicted. Start, start doing the right thing. I want to tell you that part of what we're doing when we travel to these nations is to, to shine bright the clarity of divided lines and formations and ordering and establishing the kingdom of God. So a young man comes up to me. He goes, Joaquin, you came to our church three years ago because when we go there, we visit other churches. You came to our church three years ago. I was 12 and now I'm 15. And you told me to obey and honor my dad. 
And when I'm getting discouraged and when I'm getting weak and I'm feeling, I remember what you told me and I hang on to that word. Three years. And he gets one word from a man of God and he's hanging on to that word to see the fulfillment of God's glory in his life. And so it's not in vain that we are traveling these nations. It's not in vain that you have an offer, opportunity. Say to with me, you have an opportunity. Say like this. I have an opportunity to speak. So you have an opportunity to open your mouth and issue forth the glorious order of his kingdom. In, in every expression. And, and when you don't speak, you know what's going on? Nothing is happening. There's no distinction between right and wrong. There's no distinction between light and darkness. There's no distinction between order and disorder, honor and shame, foolishness and wisdom. When we're not expressing the kingdom of God that we know that we, we have in our hearts, that we have, you know, Paul kept on saying we know these things and we know what we speak. And he, he continues, God continues on in Psalm 82. He says, do justice, defend the poor, look after the fatherless, don't leave them without fathers. Make sure the heart of the father is connected with his children. Ed Cole was saying in the first world, for, the first world war, when the Germans went out to fight, n- not many fathers came back to Germany. And the whole generation that grew up following Hitler was a fatherless generation because of World War I. And then in the Second World War, a whole bunch of Russians went out to fight. The men went out to fight World War II. And they did not come back. Out of every um, thousand soldiers that went out, 17 fathers returned. Out of every thousand that left to war, 17 came back. 13 were disabled. Only four out of those 17 that came back were bodily men. So that created in Russia a huge fatherless generation that brought Stalin and Marxists and Lenin into the ideology of that country. It destroyed the country because they, they forsook the order of God. What is the order of God? Return the hearts of the father towards the children, the children's heart towards the father, so there's no chaos. So in World War I, we have the German chaos. In World War II, we have the Russian chaos. And now in the United States, without a war, there are no fathers. What's going to become of the United States without fathers? The Spirit of the Lord has left this country with respect to leaving because the Spirit of the Lord is a spirit that cares for the orphan and the widow. And men do not care about their children in this country anymore. And we are known as a fatherless generation without a war. So if we don't rise up and speak, if we don't rise up and give the model, if we don't rise up when my kid was eight years old, when Nick was eight years old, somebody told them, you don't have to listen to your father when you're 18. Somebody in church told my son. And so when my son came home, he says, Hey, Dad, when I grow up and I'm 18 years old, I don't have to listen to you anymore. And I said, Son, I'm 35, and I still listen to my father. So I'm able to offer him not only truth, which is listening to father is good, but that I'm living it and he could follow my example. 
I'm not just a shadow with an empty reality. I'm a shadow and a type that has become fulfillment in a spirit of honor, a spirit of service, a spirit of walking in the blessing of the Lord. So God is saying to his people, because they do not speak justice, because they don't act on injustice, verse 5, so they do not know, they do not understand, they walk about in darkness. Psalm 82, verse 4. You're depleted, verse 5. They do not know, they do not understand, and they walk around in darkness. How horrible, listen how horrible this is, for people to come to church for 10 years, and they still don't know what is right. They don't speak what is right. They don't know, they don't speak, and they don't do what is right. They call themselves Christians. They come to Spring of Life. They've seen the pastor's testimony. They've seen his words. They've seen his peace, his joy, his righteousness, but they do not walk in it. It's just little glimpses of shadows and types of things that are out of place. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. They're not in their place. God is speaking this to his children. He says in verse 6, you are God's. You are the expression of my nature, and all of you are children of the Most High. People don't come to see Joaquin Molina. People come to see someone who walks in the character of his father. Somebody who walks in the nature of the fruitfulness. They, they, could, they could see, listen to me, just seeing Yvette's face smile. Some lady walked up to me. She's, she's, a, she's the pastor's wife of another country. And she walked up to me and she said like this. She goes, I can tell your wife is happy and she loves God with all her heart. Yvette hadn't preached a word. But you can see the fulfillment of righteousness. You can see the glory of God. You can see the peace on our countenance. You can see the expressions of of the fruitfulness. He says, you are God's, all of you children of the Most High. How sad it is that some people come to this church and they think they're either faithful or not faithful to spring of life. They think they're either giving offerings or tithing to spring of life. They have no relationship with God. They have no no understanding that what they're doing here, that God is going to call them to do elsewhere. It was Jack Keene when he forgave his father's murderer when he was going to the church where he was serving faithfully that he got the phone call, come and serve the nations. The day he forgave his father's murderer, the door of ministry was open to go and shine for the glory of God. And God doesn't want any expression of rebellion. God doesn't want any expression of contempt. How horrible that you would pervert the nations with with your stink, with, with a character of rebellion, disobedience, with an attitude that's not the fragrance of Christ. There's no, there's nothing. And, and you can see this, that God is calling us there. How many feel that God is calling us there? He says in verse 7, but you shall not die like men. You're not going to, you shall not walk like a worldly man and fall like one of the princes. Arise O God, and judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. God is saying, if you walk in my character, my inheritance for you is large. And if there's there's a spirit in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says the spirit of the prince of this earth. And you know it's talking about the devil. 
He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. We once walked with a worldly mindset according to the prince of the power. Ephesians 2.2. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is seen, manifest in the sons of disobedience. You can tell somebody who's bent on dishonor. You can tell somebody who's bent on rebellion. You can tell somebody who's bent on pride and having no humility. Who are they? It's those that have the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience in those that are not receiving what God has. But you and I, the Bible says that in this time we should arise and shine and let our light be known. The glory of God, the manifest presence of his character has risen upon thee. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise and shine, for the light is present and the glory of the Lord is here. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness all the people, but not those that are in the Lord. The Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. All the unbelievers and the Gentiles shall come forth to the light and the kings to the brightness of his glory. So what will we do? We will stand and shine bright. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 8. It says we need to speak righteousness. <laughs> Once you prepare yourself to speak righteousness, get ready for all those people that are not interested in righteousness. As soon as you speak it, Open your mouth for the, those that are speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. There are people that will perish because they don't know any better. And that should be our constant, everyday, surrounding scenario. Starting with who? With us. Don't let the utterance of the words. I, I hope that somebody walked up to Bernadette Todd and say, your life is not growing worse and worse. You're not going to get weaker and weaker. That's not God's calling for your life. That's not your inheritance. That's not the faithfulness of God. I mean, she's already gotten married, and she still proclaims the curses of before she was married. You'll never be eight. You'll never be 30. She's 45. You'll never have grandchildren. You'll never walk in, in spiritual seed. How, how many things we can't do? And we're more in our utterance what we can't do, what's not going to happen. And so that's many times we need to stand. I told the people in Peru this trip that there's something far greater than money and that they open up their bags because I'm going to fill them up with endless wealth that's value far exceeds gold and silver. And my Bible says, seek wisdom above gold and silver. Seek the knowledge of the Most High. Seek to think like God because your money will perish with you. Money has never gotten any man. We heard Robert Morris say that. Money has never gotten man out of any trouble. Nobody ever came up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need more money. That's not what we need. We need godly wives. We need husbands who love God and are faithful to God. Because their faithfulness, wife, if you don't know this, the wife is the glory of her husband. You're going to reflect the character of your husband. It's important that you know that, that the glory you come is not because he plays baseball or he's on the football team or because he has a lot of money. It's because he has the garments of praise. He walks in peace. He walks in joy. He walks in the glory of the attribute of our Father in heaven. So speak. I want you to speak. 
Verse 9, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Open your mouth and speak what is right. I love what Kenny said in his preaching. What is right is what's in the Bible. I love that. Well, what is righteousness? How do I seek the kingdom of God in righteousness? Everything here is right. Meditate in this law day and night so you do that what's right. And so you're supposed to speak what is right. You're supposed to speak scripture. You're, we're, not, we're not sophisticatedly eloquent religious Pharisees that we only pull out verses that have no context in our lives, that mean nothing, that is not operating in us. No, we're speaking that which we live. Open your mouth and judge righteousness and plead for the cause of the poor and the needy. Oh, don't say nothing. What do you mean don't say nothing? There's only one type of people that don't say nothing. Dead people. Are you dead? I don't know. Check my pulse. You're alive in Christ. And if you're alive, open your mouth and speak the righteousness of God. Plead those things that are wrong. Speak on behalf of those things that are right. Help those that are needy. In, in Proverbs 10, verse 32, it says, The lips of the righteous knows what is fitting to say. I'm, I'm, I want you tonight to receive this word and say, From now on, what comes out of my mouth is what's right that I need to say. And I'm not going to speak what's wrong. I'm not going to run ahead. I'm not going to fall behind. I'm going to speak. The Bible says a word in season is health. Sometimes we're speaking out of, we're, we're not speaking the timely word. Speak what is right. Let the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked is always perverse. They speak in the wrong words at the wrong times, at the wrong place, to the wrong people. You think God is going to take you to, to serve in Africa? And, and I remember um, a lot of times when we're going to these countries, they have different customs. So for 30 years, it hasn't rained in Peru. And, and we took a missionary, and the first thing he did, he says, I'm going to break the curse. I'm going to make it rain. And they said, please don't. You're going to kill a million people because they live on the muddy mountains, and there's going to be a mudslide. And you're speaking what you don't know, and you're speaking out of place. And so we need to be a people that are being sharpened. How many say amen? Sharpened by the Lord to know what to speak, when to speak, how to speak. And we walk, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. They're speaking the whole time what they shouldn't. Leviticus chapter 5, a shadow and a type of our charge in the Lord. These things that were written for our instruction. Leviticus 5.1. If a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned, he will be held guilty. You will be accountable for things that, that you do not speak when you're supposed to speak. When you don't say what you're supposed to say. He who sows the wind reaps the whirlwind. Why, why are things like this? Because you didn't speak when you had to speak. Don't want to speak now when it's too late. Speak in a season. Speak what is right. Ask God to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uttering the words of God. In Psalm 115, verse 17, it says, Only one type of people cannot speak. Our failure, our failure to live for God means we are dead. The dead do not praise God, nor anyone who goes down into silence. 
You don't want to be, how, how awesome. Listen, say with me, awesome. Awesome. David hears Goliath offending and cursing the armies of God. He's, he's an adolescent. And he says, no, who is this guy who's speaking the wrong words to the wrong people at the wrong time? This is your generation. Don't let somebody speak louder than you. Wellington Boone told Nick when he came, he says, you better be the voice to your class. You better not let some pagan speak louder than you speak about what's supposed to be happening. You got the word of the Lord. You got righteousness. You got wisdom. You speak and, and let, the, let everybody stand in, in, in derision or against you and be negative towards you. Shine of who you are. Why? Because if we fail to speak, you will not be separated into the congregation of those that are alive. You just be a company of dead people. You just hang out meandering like the rest. And that's what has separated a lot of people from this place. The words we have spoken. Proverbs 21.16 says, He who begins to stray from the path of understanding, who doesn't want to walk in the manifest fulfillment of God's calling upon himself, will find himself gathered in a church with a whole bunch of dead people. This is just going to, you're going to, you're going to walk in the path of the current that you're settling to stand in. You're just going to move in the direction. You want to be dead? God doesn't need dead people. That's why he made you alive in Christ. And he gave you the spirit of the living God. Not so you could be dead. Not so you could be silent. Fill yourself with this. With, Jeremiah says, I cannot I cannot hold in the words because they're burning my heart. I cannot settle for that which is upside down, that which is wrong, that which is leading people to destruction. Proverbs 2.13 says, If you forsake the path of uprightness, you will walk towards the, the path of darkness. If you're not marking the path of what's right, where are you going to head? To what's wrong. If you're not speaking truth, what are you conforming to? Lies. From those who leave the path of rightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who are these people? Verse 12. They're the ones that refuse to walk in wisdom. It says, reading Proverbs 2 verse 12. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. They're speaking their twistedness. They're thinking their twistedness. Their shadows will soon become the reality of their fruits. Our shadows, the things we do in secret that, takes, that we take serious in, in small measure. Hey, why are you so serious? Because I'm serious. Why am I so serious? Because I'm serious. And I'm not going to walk in lack of seriousness because I know that lack of seriousness grows up. And I'll find myself in a way of the darkness um, it says, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men and from men who are perverse. Proverbs 4.19 says, but the way of the wicked is deep darkness. They, they know how to settle into, say with me, conformity. 
The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. They know how to take that posture. I'm like, you know, all the curses that are in bed. I, I hate to be in bed because I know that, that to be in bed means I'm not doing what God has called me, but I have to rest. But I, I'm real careful that, that we not fall in a stupor, a state of indifference, a state where I'm not speaking, I'm not thinking, I'm not living for the glory of God. First Chronicles 12.32, it was these men, the sons of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They were doing it with all their relatives under their command. They were moving forward in the purposes of God with a group of people that were moving in the in direction of what God wanted to. In verse 33, he says, From the tribe of Sebulun, there were 50,000, say with me, skilled warriors. Pastor, I don't know what to say. You better know what to say. Start grabbing all our teachings, grab all our tapes, and start saying the same thing. Start saying the same thing. If this is having a worldwide impact, you don't have to change it. And Jack Keane memorized all of Ed Cole's books. And everywhere he goes in the world, the only thing he says is what Ed Cole says. The same teachings. I was telling the people that Coca-Cola started in 1800s. Coca-Cola, 1800s. And the ingredients of Coca-Cola has never changed. And the letters have never changed. And the bottles have never changed. And you go back, you go all the way to China. And when you ask for a Coca-Cola, they're going to give you the same thing or the real thing, however it's called. So you don't have to change anything. Get the real stuff. Know what to say. What do we say? The Bible says that you be of the same mind saying the same things. Speak with the same passion. Uh, Billy Graham used to hear preachers and then go out and preach to the frogs. And he used to say the same things that the preachers he was hearing, he would say it to the frogs. And he was saying, I want to talk like the, these men of God that have changed my life. And you've, you have a powerful word of God that convicts the heart of man as we continue to, to move in a world-changing cause. Real powerful. And all these men, listen to what it says in 1 Chronicles 12. Uh, verse 33. These skillful warriors, fully armed, they had all the tools, all the instruments, prepared for battle. Prepared for battle. Verse 33. Stout-hearted men who could keep their rank. They could keep their place. They weren't, they weren't tossed to and fro. They continued walking in the armies of the Lord. Verse 34. Naphtali, 1,000 men with 37,000. Shield and spear. Verse 35, the Danites who could keep battle formation, a special group of people is like right, left. They, they, they were walking in the groups of the battalions of our God. They were being loyal to God according to the grace that they were given. Verse 36, Asher, those who could go out to war and able to keep battle formation. One of the things that says they were ready for battle. They were trained, experienced warriors. Verse 38. All these men were fighting. 
serving together to make king, David king over Israel, to make Jesus known in the whole world. The rest of Israel were like one mind. They were walking in the same mindset of, of King David, that there should be no variance in our cause, that we should speak the same thing. How horrible. If there's something that I, I, I really find to be a crazy thing is that somebody could be here for 10 years, and when they're, their time to speak, they leave a different legacy, a shameful legacy, a, a perverted, out-of-order legacy to the next generation. How horrible. This happened to King David in first, uh, Second Samuel chapter 6. David wanted to see the glory of God, and he went so fast. He says that he prepared everything ready, 2 Samuel 6.1. He says that David gathered all the best men of Israel, 30,000, verse 2. And he wanted to bring back the, the Ark of the Covenant, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherub, verse 3. They set the Ark of God on, the, on a new cart. Hey, pastor, we're doing it the new way. We got a cool way. And he went with it, but God didn't. God, God is a jealous God. He says, he brought it out of the house of Adinabadab and was on a hill. And you saw, and Io, the sons of Adinabadab, drove the new cart. Verse 4. They brought it out of the house of Adinadab, which is on a hill. The next one, verse 5. They went before the cart, and as they all sang and played music, and they were all into it, verse 6, and when they came to a threshing floor, when they came to a floor of difficulty, adversity, bumps, and turbulence, Yuzah put out his hand to hold the ark and took a hold of it, for the ox that were pulling it stumbled. Verse 7, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Yuzah, and God struck him dead. For his error, and he died by the ark of the Lord. Verse 8. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Yuzah. He says, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Verse 9. David was afraid, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? How is it that God wants us to do this thing? Have you guys ever asked that question? How is it, if God has put us all here, how is it that God wants us to change the nations? He doesn't want us to do it flippantly, casually, the way we feel comfortable. We better conform not to this world, but to his character. God, God you know, I, I can't even explain this other than I know that until we line up and do it God's way, we're not going to see the glory of God. Until we take it as serious as it requires. And for three months, David didn't want to go there. But after three months, he gathered together wise men and he says, we want you to tell us how we're supposed to do this. And it's supposed to be done with all seriousness and much sacrifice. And it's supposed to be on the shoulders of the Levites. This, this can't be pulled on a cart. This needs to be carried by people. It's, it's not, they're not gimmicks. And, you know, when we go to all these conferences, all sorts of, of gimmicks are out there to do things about Christianity to make it work. And I'm like, I know how it works. Let's get right with God. This is how it works. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the heart of men. He wants them to walk according to his call. And so that's what they end up doing eventually. And, and I know that 
the, the grace of God is still here with us. There, 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 there are many who have grown tired and died. There are many who have walked out and quit. There are many who, who never desired to see the glory of God. Uh, when I see a woman and, and she tells me, but I do this and I do that and I'm the one that comes and I'm the one that goes, I go, yeah, that's perfect. That's your glory. We're seeing your glory. I want to see the glory of God. I, I know men. Men can do a million things, and we've seen the glory of men. It passes. It, it passes so fast they can't even pass it to their children because the glory of man fades. But the glory of God remains, and it's generation after generation growing brighter. And, and I, I have the expectation. Um, we've taken a long time. We have not taken any shortcuts we're all out serious. We're speaking what God has put in our heart. We're living it. We're pursuing it. The fruits of our faithfulness are manifest. 14 years ago, you couldn't see what we're seeing today. But now I'm telling people, travel with us. Come to these cities and see how God is using us. So that you might also, as you see this, this amazing grace of God, you might find that grace you might pursue it and, and fill your lives with it so that you can also faithfully serve and, and not live. And this is what I, I spoke a lot while I was a young youth pastor. How horrible to be a Christian and not see the reality of God. How horrible. That God is, he says, I will honor those who honor me. I will be faithful to those who faithfully serve me. And so if you're not walking in honor, he says that you're just going to inherit shame. Proverbs chapter 2. Verse 22, it says, but the wicked, we're going to start in verse 21, it says, the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off and the unfaithful will be uprooted. I'm sure that God wants us to have the expressions of flourishing in his grace. I'm sure of that. Let's stand tonight. Uh, this is a call for us to press into the calling God has put on our lives, to honor the place where we serve our Lord, to take these things serious. Uh, those of you that are going to school, don't allow the glimpses of shadows and types to be twisted and out of place. Perfect those things for in a time to come, 
there's going to be amazing, amazing fulfillment of that calling in our lives. Um, all of us are in different seasons of our life in different times. Um, I'm reminded that there was a season, a good three years of law school in our church. And, and, and this is, I say, because, so that you do not hurry up the times. I was in law school for three years. I couldn't go to the corner. I couldn't go play basketball. I couldn't go on a missionary trip. I remember my father and my brothers went to Venezuela on their first missionary trip. I couldn't go. And the reason was is because I was being obedient. In my season of life, it was to honor that season. Some of you are raising small children, and, and I, I think that that is the greatest season that you have. And this church has respected that a whole bunch because we know that our children will testify more powerful than we can in any stadium in the world. When, when I go, listen to me, when I go to these cities, the first question is, where are your sons? They don't tell me how much Bible I know, how many people go to our church, how long I've been serving. They say, we want to see your sons. I say, I love to show you my sons. I love to show you those that have grown up in the grace of God. And so um, you too, in that season of your life, make sure that, that you get rid of all the shadows, uh, the glimpses, anything that, that has a rebellious head in it, destroy it. Saul went and he brought back the king of the Amalekites. And God says, what are you doing? Well, I just, I kept alive him and some animals. Thought they would be useful. And he says, the kingdom is removed from you. You, you won't represent my kingdom. You won't be a minister of my grace. Father, we give you thanks for tonight's word. And we know, Lord, and we thank you for even being able to hear your heart tonight as we know that your glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And soon, many will run to the light of your glory in the church. Many will want to hear a godly wife, a godly husband, an honorable son and daughter. Many will want to understand the way of a servant in obedience and service and ministry and love. Father, and as you continue to use us for your glory, and as hands in the, as arrows in the hands of the mighty, O oh God, that you are going to send us to nations, to kings, to governments, to peoples, to hit the bullseye and to be able to share your heart and your thoughts and your words. So help us deny ourselves. Help us to crucify ourselves. Help us to get laziness and attitudes that are inappropriate out of our lives so that you might be crowned king of glory and so that your glory, your kingdom of joy, peace, and righteousness might flourish upon the earth. We pray in Jesus' name and the people of God say amen. Amen, amen. Greet what?